0: Welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today?
1: Man, I'm doing great, Jordan. Fall is here. I love it. I, I cannot tell you. I went on a run uh, Monday, ended up running two miles further than I thought I was going to run just because it is so brisk and wonderful. I am built for this season. It is it is my favorite. I love hoodies. We we just got a brand new First Baptist hoodie that yeah. uh, went on distribution this weekend, and, and we've just about sold out of the first round. Um, so I I am very good. How are you?
0: I'm good too. I'm wearing my uh, nice fall sweater right now. Uh, ah. It's still warm outside, and it is uh, a little uncomfortable wearing it outside. But <laughs> it is my truth that it it's fall weather, so that,
1: that's there you go. That's right. Oh man, I, does that mean we're basic? I think that means we're basic. I think we're that, basic. That's yeah. the thing. Uh, well, Elliot's yeah. yeah. the worst. We're, we're basic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. hey. get me a pumpkin spice latte and let's roll. <laughs> I'm joking. I can't stand pumpkin spice lattes. Black coffee only for me. But anyway.
0: Nice. Well, I'm really excited about the subject matter today. Uh, as uh, listeners, as you may or may not know, we just had, uh, I just had a son. We named him Thomas. So I'm excited to be talking about his namesake, the Apostle Thomas. Yes, sir. So today's scripture is John twenty twenty eight. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Oh, I love that text. I'm
1: sorry for the visceral response, but that, uh, I mean, and I learned it in Greek. You know, kuriosmu, Mou, That is the central confession of Christianity. When I look to Jesus, You are my Lord and my God. And uh, man, it just gives me chills every time. So
0: go ahead, Jordan. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. Uh, well, we'll we'll start real basic. Let's just start real basic with Thomas. So. Do we have any ideas where Thomas picked up the nickname, the twin? It, it's, Thomas itself is a nickname. It means the twin. Uh, and if not, you know, do do you have any personal thoughts? So
1: we really don't have a lot of material in scripture about Thomas. Um, there is some pseudepigraphal or apocryphal legend about Thomas. Um, one of those legends is that he was actually the twin brother of Jesus, which – not sure how that works out, you know, um, and imagine being left out of the story. You know, Thomas is like, hey, I was born in the in the manger as well. And so <laughs> I don't find that to be true. We are not here saying that Thomas is the twin brother of Jesus, although there have been people who've said that throughout the, the years. Um, so so everything that we have about Thomas, the bulk of the material comes after the sealing of the canon of Scripture, its legend. So who knows what's true and what's not, what's historical and what's not? So I I, I don't know. Uh, you you obviously loved the name and and named your son uh, after this apostle. Do you know anything? Uh, do you have anything to add?
0: Yeah. Well, so there are, you know obviously spurious ideas that he is the twin of Christ, which like you're saying, I guess that means that, you know, there wasn't room in the end. So Jesus got the manger, but there wasn't room in the manger. So Thomas is, you know, just somewhere else. in Thomas the Thomas just <laughs> laid, you
1: know, over on the side, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, and, and then there are other less fanciful ideas in church, church legend, like you're sure. saying, that he might've just looked like Jesus yeah. or something like that. Right. Um, I, I like the, that, Drift that he might have looked like Jesus or had some sort of similarity to someone else, so they called him the twin because of his, I don't know, looks or character or something like that. That's right. Um, But of course, that's theories. We don't know. So, Um, yeah. So, but then, like you're saying, there we get very few vignettes of Thomas, but we get a couple. You talked about them on Sunday, so we're gonna look at uh, pretty much each one here. So, looking at John 11. Uh, this is the Lazarus incident. So right before they go to Bethany, the disciples express dismay about returning to Judea where the leaders of Judea were trying to kill Jesus. So in verse 16, Thomas says to his fellow disciples, "'Let us go that we may die with him.'" So what is Thomas expressing here? Is it, is it loyalty, is it like zealotry, or is it like just faith?
1: I think it's definitely loyalty. <laughs> I think it's definitely faith. I don't know that it would be zealotry because it would be more, it would seem to me to be more uh, defeatist um, of, you know, we're not going to go conquer with him. We're not going to go kill with him. We're going to go die with him. And and perhaps, you know, there's some sense of, you know, what is it, Henry V, you know, Men now abed will mark themselves a curse. But whilst any speaks that fault with us upon Saint Crispian's day, not to slide into Shakespeare uh, a little bit there. But anyway, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, which is by far the superior movie about wider. But oh. that's a different discussion for a different day. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, to me, I read that as a loyalty to go with Jesus wherever he would lead. And if that means that my life on this earth comes to an end, then okay. Uh, Could it also have been sarcasm? Uh, Maybe, Uh, but I don't know that the beloved apostle would have included it uh, as he was carried along by the Holy spirit. If he was making some sort of smart aleck remark, Um, I think it was earnest and I think it was uh, indicative of his heart. You know, let's go, you know, it could mean our lives, but we're going to go because we have given ourselves to following Jesus, and we will follow Him even unto death, if that what that if that is what that means. Now, again, it wasn't perfect. Um, the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Thomas did not accompany Him to the trial and the cross. So, um, thankfully, uh, for the rest of us who are also imperfect, we have an example of imperfect loyalty to Christ. Um, but I think it's a beautiful picture of Thomas's willingness to go.
0: Yeah. There's a Jewish text, and I, I can't remember offhand where it was, but I, I thought of it this morning, that talks about different moments in Scripture where people say things, and then those are recorded in Scripture, and they're you know held up as heroes because of those offhand remarks that they make. Yeah. Um. So one of the examples that it gives is Reuben. So Reuben is one of the twelve sons of Jacob, and one of Jacob, or one of Joseph's brothers. So when Joseph is in danger ruben is like oh let's put him in a pit and it says that he was thinking he was going to come back and rescue him yeah so it records that so that we have Reuben, you know in our minds like oh ruben was going to save him here's That's this right. you know great trait that he had or this you know redeeming quality or whatever that we should aspire to uh i can't help but think about thomas in the same way like why would would john record him saying this if it wasn't supposed to be something that we were supposed to put in our pocket you know? yeah like let's let's go die with him like this is you know the level of commitment we should have to Christ.
1: Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. Um, incidentally, that's the way I always remember that it was Reuben who spoke up. Uh, for Josephs. Uh, is maybe that's why you got the sandwich named after him. <laughs> I love
0: a Reuben sandwich.
1: Take what you can get, right? There you go. <laughs> Whatever. It's a mnemonic device, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So skipping ahead to John 14, so the Last Supper, uh, Thomas is one of the ones who gets a, a comment in. Uh, so he says... Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Hmm. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Yes. So my question is, how could the apostles see the immortal, invisible Father by knowing Jesus?
1: Ah, that is a beautiful question. And I think it is answered several places in scripture. And I think in our notes, you've actually included this. Let me pull that up. The, where my mind immediately goes is to Colossians chapter 1, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And by firstborn, that doesn't mean he was created. That means he is preeminent. That's the that's the use there. But then also in Hebrews, that that he is the exact expression of the nature of Almighty God. And so what we have in Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity, Uh, but it is God in flesh to dwell among us. So the greatest revelation of God, the greatest revelation that God has given us of himself is the person of Jesus Christ. Um, So Jesus is both the son of God and God, the son at the same time. That's always a Bible study. I like to do at Christmas. How can he be both? But he is. Um, So, yeah, you have in Jesus the perfect representation. Remember, God the Father is spirit; He is not flesh and bones. But God the Son took on flesh and bones, remaining what He always was—God. He became what He had not been—man. So that's where we get into the hypostatic union and this this that this truth that Jesus is is of the same substance as the Father, um, but Jesus has taken on. Flesh and bones, so that we might see him. So, when Jesus tells the woman at the well, God is spirit, and true worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth, uh, that is a deeply important statement. So, um, again, Jesus is God's self revelation of himself in the form of a human being. And so, uh, that's how Jesus is able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father.
0: Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So let's let's make what we're talking about today practical with today's practical application question. Okay, so Jesus did tell Thomas and the other apostles multiple times about his resurrection on the third day. So perhaps Thomas shouldn't have doubted the testimony of the others when they did see the risen Christ and tell him about it. To be fair, though, Jesus did also make warnings about false signs of his coming. So in Matthew 24, 23 through 27, he said, then if anyone comes and says to you, Look, here is a Christ, or there he is. Do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So you can see, you can see Thomas hearing these kinds of things and having these things in mind when you know his fellow apostles are saying, "Oh well, we saw him." So how can we, so far removed even from you know Christ's ministry on earth, how can we be confident in discerning the true Messiah in that day?
1: That's a great question and a question that I've heard a lot of people wrestle with and that I've wrestled with myself. I think the answer. To, to which I have come is based on scripture and including the passage that you just shared out of Matthew. I think it's going to be abundantly clear. I think that, you know, um, when, when lightning stretches out across the sky, we are able to see it. And I'm not entirely sure exactly what it will look like. If it will be in some way that the entire globe is able to see this event, um, in the Eastern sky. And it is the Eastern sky for all of us somehow. Um, however it it comes about, I think it will be abundantly clear. But let me tell you what I think is very important. I think it's very important that we be grounded in the Word of God, because I think that we are easily deceived when we do not know what God has communicated. So um, one of the minor prophets says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And, and I think that if we neglect the Word of God and and neglect reading what He has communicated to us, then we are setting ourselves up for deception. Because if I don't read the Word, if I don't hide the Word in my heart, then I just have to go off of what you say. And whoever you are, you hold ultimate authority in my life because I'm putting you on par with God. Um, You know, something amazing happened after Gutenberg invented the printing press. That was the seedbed of the Protestant Reformation, because prior to the Protestant Reformation, the Bible was reserved for the priests and the church leaders, and what the people knew was only what they were told, and this entire hierarchy of Roman Catholicism that starts with the Pope and comes all the way down to the priest— Through the the cardinals and the archbishops and the bishops and, and, and all of that, there was a big sense in which biblical knowledge was controlled and what was shared and what was said was controlled. Well, once Gutenberg invents the printing press and now you can mass reproduce scripture and people are learning to read, now they're able to take it up and say, well, I've never heard of this or I've never thought of this. Um and that really formed the the fertile soil for the Protestant Reformation to happen. Well, I would say unfortunately, in the 21st century, we have more Bibles than ever before. I and mean, you can access the scripture on your phone for free in a ton of different apps. Mm-hmm. Um, we have more printed Bibles, Bibles available in more languages. The Word of God is available. And unfortunately, at least in a Western context, in the United States of America, the Bible may be still the best-selling book, but I would say it is also the most neglected and unread book. So if I don't read God's Word, then I have to trust what you say, and you may be a TV preacher who's just out to get my money. And I say that very self-consciously as one who recognizes that I am a TV preacher, Um, but it is... Stomach churning to see what some people will do in the name of God and the sorts of things that they will communicate that well meaning people just buy into hook, line, and sinker because they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. And the reason they don't know any better is because they haven't read the word of God. So I think the same thing is true for discerning the second coming of Christ, I think we have to be grounded in the word. And the more that I recognize who Jesus is and who Almighty God is as he has revealed himself in scripture, then I am less prone to be deceived by the enemy who wants to come and only steal, kill, and destroy, who is a liar and the father of lies and uh, who speaks his native language when he is lying, which means he's really good at it. There have been no shortage of false messiahs who have come, even in my lifetime. You know, I think back, you know, two years before I was born. To the day, um, November the eighteenth, nineteen seventy-eight, was the Jonestown massacre, where people thought that Jim Jones was the the Messiah. I can still remember, uh, as a kid, watching what happened in Waco, Texas, with the Branch Davidians and David Koresh, and just how horrible that was, but they, <clears throat> these people were convinced that Koresh was Christ. Um, and again, there are more and more examples. And so there have been plenty of people who have come. If you If you go to Israel today, you're going to see other people that are lifted up as the Messiah that are, that are contemporary people, one man in particular recently died, um, but there's signs all over Israel of this is the Messiah, and so there's no shortage of false messiahs. But I think what Jesus is here communicating is that it's going to be clear. We're, we're going to know. Yes, this is Christ, just as the lightning stretches out across the sky. He will come in power and glory upon the clouds of heaven in the eastern sky. There will be a great trumpet and a shout, and Christ will come. And he will come with the host of heaven, and it will be, um, it will be remarkably clear. So if you find yourself worried about that, well, I would say two things. Number one, pray, take that anxiety to the Lord and tell him, I'm worried that I'll be deceived, Secondly, read the word, get in the word daily. We do that you know we're, we're working through the reading God story chronological um, reading plan right now and uh, that is so profoundly helpful. but get in the word, get the word in you and and take that anxiety to the Lord because he cares for you and and he would love um, to ease your mind for that. Let me let me add one other thing. make sure you're in Christ. Because here's the deal. <laughs> if you're not in Christ, then it really doesn't matter. Uh, you know what I mean? It matters insofar as the the second coming will be sealing your judgment. Uh, and the second coming will have the same effect as death. Your your opportunity for mercy is over at that point. Um, so make sure you're in Christ. That's that's step one. Um, and, and the rest of it will, will come together.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you talked about uh, getting into the Word. Uh, in discussions... Like this, you know, getting into Revelation and you know Jesus' teachings um, in Jerusalem that last week, I always think of Deuteronomy 13, where it talks about how you discern if a prophet is a real prophet or not, uh, and it, it explicitly says it, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, you know, meaning that they do you know miracles or false miracles, whatever you want to say, but it goes on and says um, if it is a false prophet who's telling you to go after other gods and such. Um, then the Lord, your God is, is testing you. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, meaning that there can be miracles or false miracles, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, think about, so when you go back to the account of the Exodus, when Moses goes before Pharaoh, yeah. you know, how many times does, does God give a sign through Moses, but then Pharaoh's magicians are able to do the exact same thing? Um, and, and I love the fact that, you know, oh well their staffs turn into snakes too, which I would not be carrying around a staff that's a snake inside of a stick, but mm-hmm. that's just me. But then God's God's serpent consumes their serpents, you know, their the God's serpent wins and Um, so yes, absolutely. False signs can be done. False signs can happen. And so, you know, you can't just say, oh, this looks miraculous. This appears miraculous. This even is miraculous to some degree. Um, because again, being rooted in scripture is just so key. And I think that the great tragedy of Christianity today is, is that so many people who seek to trust follow Jesus who who would claim Christ are so ignorant of his word and that's why we see you know just so much adulteration of the truth of God and and just because somebody uh, is employed by a church or has been ordained or wears a cleric's collar or is called pastor or father or bishop or whatever does not mean that they carry the authority of Scripture. And that's one of the things I always have said and will always say. Anything that comes out of my mouth, back it up with Scripture. And if you can't, then I'm wrong. And if if the Bible and I disagree... Go with God every time, and going with God means going with His Word, and um, it's just so vital that people are grounded in the Word, which is why I say ad nauseum every single Sunday, the best thing you can do to grow in your faith is get into the Word. Now, I think the other things you should do are prayer. I think you should come to church. I think you should be involved in community. I think you should grow in fellowship. Uh, I think you should serve. I think you should give, all those sorts of things, but but I'm going to tell you all of that stems from a robust understanding of who God is through his word, uh, enlightened by his spirit. And so get in the word. It's so important.
0: And that really is a great way to end out this message. Just get, get in the word. Can you pray us out for today, Jeff?
1: Amen. Lord help us. Um, You have spoken. How can a young man keep his way pure by your word? How does faith come? Well, it comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word. Your Word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and your Word is true. And so, Lord, help us uh, by your Holy Spirit to not only uh, understand what we're reading, but, Lord, to have the, the, the unction of the Holy Spirit, this, 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 this sense of urgency, to get in your word. And if anyone is concerned that they're going to be deceived in the last days, Lord, let us turn to your word and turn to prayer and say, Lord, we, we have that concern, so we cast that anxiety upon you and pray that you would just give us that sort of peace that, that comes from the recognition that you will be clear when you come. And there will not be a question as to is this the coming of Messiah Lord, on that day, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We thank you for Thomas, who made that confession when he saw you in risen form, my Lord and my God. So let us confess that, not only with our lips, but also with the way that we live, as we trust and follow Jesus in every moment that we have.
0: We love you, Lord. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.